One. Shh. Be very, very quiet. We got a TLT and a bond rally going on. We don't want to be too loud and awaken the bears ahead of the PPI report. Blue Putnam 815 is going to put it all in perspective for us. ExxonMobil makes the deal. It is a big day. It's Wednesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're off the highs of the pre-market session, but still up 1150 at 4403, trying to recapture that 4400 level. Uh, Buck is up a few pennies at uh, 105.59. Bonds, as we talked about, up 1 in 10, 30 seconds, over 113. Crude, just not following through on that big rally for Monday. Down 60 cents at 86.37. Gold catching a bid, trying to get over 1,900. That's up nearly 10 bucks at 18.85. Silver finally overtakes the 22 handle. Resistance uh, now up 23 cents at 22,190. And Bitcoin futures down 185 bucks at 27,305. Bring in Triple D. Triple D, we have come to these moments before. Yes. yes. We've sold off and we get optimistic and then a rug pull. And once again, we face that today with the PPI number, CPI on Thursday, earnings on Friday. A lot of potential catalysts to take us in both directions here. One thing we do have going is a significant bond rally. The TLT flying high, and I've been trying to figure out, but it may be my fault, Joel, that the TLT is flying high. I just realized I got a fat finger here, and I had my finger on the TLT buy button here, so I got the fat finger. I cut myself on a piece of metal, just just literally before the show started. But anyways... Did but, you get uh, shaken out of joke. your TLT? Did you get shaken out of your TLT? No, I'm still in it. Oh, really? Yeah, it, and I'm not it, up much. It, I bought, I think, at 87. So I'm just getting back into the green here now. I also bought that Canadian bond. I also bought, what else did I buy that day? I bought three things that day. Um, I think the Laurentian uh, the preferred. Uh, no, the, no, no, not the Laurentian. The LB, because well, the symbol is uh, the, the L. Uh, you bought the P, PRB. So the, the Loblaws preferred. Yeah. Okay. So that day I was like buying bond stuff. And when we did go down after that, but we haven't really went down much since then. I think you kind of had a shakeout here. All depends on PPI, CPI. That's going to dictate the next yeah. course of action. It's all about the data. Yep. And all we right, will be getting PPI doing? today. How are we doing, team? Of course, we'll give core PPI month over month estimate. We have at 0.3 last month, uh, 0.2. And so we're going to be looking to see if this has gone down a slight amount, a year over year, 2.3 prior 2.2. Um, of course, we also get the FOMC minutes today and a couple of Fed speaking that will be out there. So watch out for the Fed speak. And of course, FOMC minutes, I don't expect to see anything that's surprising. 
But of course, something that we need to be watching, right? That's going to come out at 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss that. That comes out right from the Fed website. I'll give you guys the link if you guys want to go ahead and check it out later today. But let's get into the deal of the day. Of course, ExxonMobil agreeing to buy Pioneer Natural Resources for $59.5 billion in an all-stock deal or $253 per share. As part of this agreement, Pioneer shareholders will receive 2.3234 shares of Exxon yeah, for slow every. Down, give me that number one more time because you oh, risk Dennis our trade. needs this is it. Gonna be a fun. It's going to be a fun deal to trade. This is going to be one I'm going to trade. All right, a lot. you ready? Yeah. 2.3234. 2.3234. Okay. You got it. Fun. Shares of Exxon for every Pioneer share they own. Exxon said that its production volume would more than double 1.3 million barrels um, once this deal was closed. The combined capacities of our two companies will provide long-term value creation well in excess of what either company is capable of doing on a standalone basis. And this came from ExxonMobil CEO, Darren Woods. Um, a deal we, we, we thought PXD might get bought by somebody. Then obviously the rumors materialized last week and now the deal goes off the board. Um, decent premium. Again, when it's an all stock deal, they typically do knock the acquirer down. I did short ExxonMobil last night. This broke. Like about three minutes before the close, Joel, it was just started breaking where there was rumors. It wasn't official, but Bloomberg broke the rumor that this could be coming. Um, I was able to get short ExxonMobil just a little bit down, uh, 110.25, I believe. Covered it already here this morning, um, just assuming that the choir is going to go down. They ripped PXD. The algos are like all over the PXD. They ripped it up to 245, but um, obviously you're buying 245 last night. You're not making money here now because they're knocking the XOM down. Now these two stocks are going to be linked. So do I think this deal is going to go through? Yes, I do. Do I think there's any trust issues here? Slight, maybe, but there's so many oil companies. I think this deal is going through. I think PXD will eventually be ExxonMobil. I think I'm going to trade this. I love trading the risk herbs, uh, the, the merger. You know, uh, with the dish broke, I, I saw it again when I was <laughs> out last week, and I was trying to do the air math on it. And, uh, you know, and I came up, you know, the 60 billion of value. I can't even, I don't even know what math formula I used, but I came up with like 257, 258, which was a little bit lower. And you, uh, and then I saw you tweet it or you or said it on the show or something around that same price. So they're leaving a little, you know, meat on the bone here. If you want to, if you want to play it from that way. Um, also well, they're not, gotta, Joel, because it's a stock deal. So you've got to go and do the merger. So let's teach this. It's a good teaching tool. Do you want to do it today? Calculator. Okay. We take the current price of ExxonMobil, not the closing price. Because I you take you. the closing price, you get a different price. you got to take the current price. So 107.70, 107.70 times the ratio that Money Mitch just gave us, 2.3234, gives you 250. So they're leaving a little bit of meat on the bone. 250 is the actual price right now on this. Okay. So it's an eight-point discount. But there's multiple considerations here. The big one, the big consideration is the time value of money. So Which we're not sitting lot. here at zero anymore. It's five and a half percent. So the longer this takes. So they're only knocking it down basically three and a half to four percent. So you got you do have a risk if the deal doesn't go through. You do have a risk of you know holding it and takes longer than anticipated you will probably get a dividend from pxd which may make up from the time value money their dividend has always been they move it around i think they have one uh, a small piece that's they pay every quarter but then they change it so it's um so it's unpredictable to a certain extent the pxd dividend depending on profitability but they are trading it at a slight discount here but 
I don't know if you're coming in here and buying if that's like discount. I'm more in about the linkages, trading XRM okay, yeah, versus yep, BXD. Yep. Okay. So, All right. Yep. We could also do another time on, uh, you know, talk about the specific executions. A big buyer mm -hmm. or a big seller comes into those stock that's not really paying attention to or does not care and about the price deal. out from where it should yep, be. Yep. They just they they just want in. They want it like I don't want to own Exxon Mobil anymore. They're doing this big acquisition. Boom. That's where you get those. And I mean, the high freaks have this pretty whipped, so it's hard to really make a lot of money on the risk arbs um, trades. But, you know, back in the day and I still do them, but, you know, obviously I'm pretty quick, too. Uh, but back in the day, like I can remember exclusively trading just risk arbitrage. So two companies merging together in all stock deals. I just traded the spreads and they, you know, like you said, a big order comes and pushes one price out. The other one doesn't adjust quickly enough. Again, they adjust pretty quickly now, but. Um, there is opportunity still there. They're just really sh sh very, very quick. Quick technicals on the Exxon Mobil. You're getting a gap fill, right? I'm from that big oil day on Monday. So we'll keep an eye on this bar, uh, this big bar here, and uh, from Monday and see what price, see if it can settle down someone here. The top of the gap is 108. We already filled that. Don't think we're going to be, well, we may see the low of the session here, 105 or from Monday, but keep an eye on that bar. Monday's bar, important for Exxon Mobil. BP has increased its core earnings guidance for 2030 by two billion. They now aim for EBITDA to be in the range of 53 billion to 58 billion when oil prices are at $70 a barrel, up from the earlier forecast of 51 billion to 56 billion. This update was announced during an Investors Day presentation in good old Denver. I mean. Oil's come all the way back up here. BP's all the way back up to where it was just because, obviously, the war situation. But you got all kinds of resistance up here. Come and buy BP now. You're doing it backwards. It's all the way back up at resistance. Some of these oil stocks have come back up to resistance here. Um, it depends. Again, now, PPI, CPI could change everything here in the next 24 hours as we're going to get some major inflation data. But I think that I'm not jumping in here and chasing oil here. I'm not coming in here and buying BP at major resistance. Okay, how about how about this price action? Just because Dave Lawler to leave the company, a top BP executive, on this Friday. Look at that! The old executive leaving trick. It must have been they pounded right to support. <laughs> now right back up here. Uh, there's resistance in the 39 handle. Actually, let's see. Uh, getting closer to 40. I'll give you last month's high 39.73. 40 seems like a psychological level too, but uh, actually it's been higher in the year, but that could be a good target today, 40 bucks. The tech giant Samsung is expecting a 78% drop in operating profits in the quarter ending September, according to the guidance released by the company. Of course, uh, they've been stating that memory chip demand has fallen uh, dramatically. Also, what you're seeing there is an oversupply in the market. So two negative things going to memory chips. But Samsung definitely seeing a hit here to their operating profit. How will this affect other tech companies also? Um, Dennis, I'll let you go with this one because I just uh, I Yeah, don't Samsung's know. tough because it's barely traded here. And Samsung has had a world of their own problems, really. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you can show a long-term chart on it, Joel. It's just um, more, it's, it's like yuck. Yeah, it's hard to even look at. It's just all yeah. a mess. Yeah, I don't even, I mean, it, this chart looks okay, but like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not worth looking at. So in any regard here, 
Samsung's just had its own issues. Could we jump in and, you know, derive some other things from this, you know, like a Micron or a WDC? Micron's up. Yeah, well, I don't even know what Samsung's doing because it's traded as an ADR <laughs> over here. So it's impossible to even tell what the hell the thing's doing. You got to go basically into other systems to try to figure out what it's even doing this morning here. Um, yeah, Samsung Electronics, I've got it down. That it's just hard to figure out how to, how yeah, to trade it, this thing. I don't even know what the symbol is. I don't even think it is SNLF. So it's a, it's a confusing good. one already. But I, I know the stocks that will move along with Samsung to a certain extent are Micron and Western Digi. They, yeah. they, but they can sometimes move counter to it. They do all kinds of different crap going on in that. So it's a really hard peer play. Like there's so many easy peer plays. Samsung is one of the toughest ones. One, because it's hard to get quotes on it. And then two, is just well basically you know like there's a million technology companies and they sometimes go opposite directions i've seen samsung sometimes go down and micron rip on it so i it's so much mechanics here that i just don't follow closely enough to understand the one chart i would ask joe to take a look at is the micron chart i think that stands out yeah. a little bit here and yeah, of course sure. 71 72 um what do you think about here joel there's some oh, interesting 70. levels here yeah, I mean, I, I, if I was a Micron bull, I'd be all excited, up 86 cents, uh, stalled a couple times at 70, uh, really on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So you clear 70, I'm, I'll make, you know, we're getting a running start into it, of course, right, what happens with the PPI, but looks pretty wide open. I would not, if uh, this market catches a strong bid, this gets uh, rolling through 70, gets a 70 bid, I'd I don't I think you got a hide for cover here. I think you could see 72. All right, let's get to our guest time today. A little Love early. Smash time. the like, guys. Blue Putnam, the managing director and chief economist at my old working place, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Blue, how you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, thanks for coming on and joining the show. So we're doing the PPI today and the CPI tomorrow. Am I That's like, correct? Like I, I can't. Like why? Well, they just want to confuse you. You know, if you get in too much of a pattern, you'll mess up. I, I have no idea why they changed the date. <laughs> okay. okay. So what? Tell us what you're expecting. Tell us about the you know the Fed. Uh, uh, you know, uh, interest rate tool, and you know what what you got what you got feeling on the numbers. Oh, I think these numbers are going to be a pretty much non-event. Um, we the, the headline CPI year over year has been going up. It was it was at its lowest at three point zero in June, and it's been ticking up. I think that's just about over because that's all about what happened in twenty twenty two. The comparison, so we get rid of that. Uh, the month-over-month -month numbers is what we're all focused on now. And, you know, 0.2, something like that, that's right in the middle. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to get any unusual information out of CPI. The PPI is a little more volatile, and uh, I don't predict it as much, and the Fed doesn't watch it, so <laughs> neither do I. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's part of the issue there. On the Fed itself, um, the Fed has really staked out some pretty uh, – strong territory about what I call optionality. They have the option to raise rates, but they have ruled out lowering rates. So that's really their message. They're not telling you that they're gonna raise rates. And there's a lot of debate. Many of the Fed and Fed presidents and FOMC members feel they've done enough. 
a few of them are talking about the potential for higher rates, but probably not in November. And, and I don't think they're, I mean, I think they're done for this cycle. Um, because I really think the interest rates are restrictive. You know, we have uh, the, the short term, the Fed funds is above the CPI headline. It's above the core, the yield curves inverted. All those things tell me it's restrictive. We did have the San Francisco Fed talk a little bit about what's neutral. But neutral to me is probably a little lower than where uh -huh. the current rate is. It might be a little higher than where it used to be. <laughs> but uh, neutral is a, you know, that's a comment from somebody who thinks the interest rate's a stereo system that you can just dial in a perfect rate. And I'm not in that camp. Oh, no, he can't be. Uh, Blue, we got we got to bring in. I mean, you do your homework. We do our homework. We follow the charts. We follow the fundamentals. We know we're coming into earnings season. And then you have war in the Middle East. I mean, you've been around. You've been through uh, different market cycles, uh, vert, you know, definite turbulent, turbulent times in the geopolitical situation. Does that does that change the Fed? Does that that change their thinking or their strategies? Uh, it doesn't change their short-run thinking or strategies. Um, the, the the Middle East situation is uh, there's a risk premium moved into the oil market instantly uh, with the breakout of the, the war. Um, and that's all about Iran. If Iran gets drawn into this militarily, that is, Israel would strike Iran, Iran might, whatever, you know, that's, uh, Iran has oil. Um, but uh, But right now, it's just a risk premium. Now, we know that this conflict's going to last a long time. Uh, so I think this risk premium will stay with us for a long time. It's about five bucks, uh, give or take. Uh, so it's, a, but it doesn't affect uh, the economy today. It doesn't affect inflation today. It doesn't affect the Fed's targets. So it's not on the Fed's radar right away. But obviously, if the conflict widened out extensively, that would impact the Fed and global growth and things like that. So it's on the, it's on everybody's radar, but, uh, we're just watching right now. We sure don't know. All right. I'm going to tie a little bit of two things here. Um, of course, pointing to our consumer spending, which accounts for 60% of U.S. economic activity. Uh, we just recently got the IMF to actually increase projections here. What do you think is going on underneath the hood here, Blue? Is the consumer really slowing down? Is this something that we should be concerned about? I don't think you should be too concerned about it. Um, the consumer is slowing down a little bit. That, that's okay. Uh, but the consumer is going to still continue to spend. Um, consumers spend when they have their jobs. You know, if they lose their job, that's when they stop spending. But, uh, you know, if they have a, now they have to make, some of them have to make student loan payments. They're going to figure that out. And not necessarily all of them are going to make the payments either. Uh, but they're going to figure it out. Um well, there's kind of an order in how you deal with your credit. You pay your mortgage rate on your house and you pay for your car loan. And then after that, you uh, kind of figure out what's, you know, what you don't pay. Um, but the consumer still has jobs and they have a lot of jobs and we're adding jobs. And that is the underlying primary everything about um, whether consumption continues to grow. So, yes, consumption will slow down a little bit next year, but still be positive enough for positive GDP and no recession. Blue, where do you expect to see the biggest hit to consumers? Is it going to be on like the big ticket items like cars, like houses? What do you expect there? Um, well, we, we've kind of seen uh, most of the damage from higher rates. Uh, 
we thought it would hit the housing market, but then we realized that everybody with a 3% mortgage rate wasn't going to sell their house. <laughs> so there's nobody selling their house. So, uh, you know, and then we got a little worried about, well, mortgage rates are going up again when the 10 year uh, kiss 5%, but it's already back to four, 457, 460. So, you know, that's just, that's noise. Uh, I do think the consumer will be thinking hard about big ticket items. So I do see, Anything that you have to borrow money for probably gets hit a little bit more than the cheaper discretionary items. Yeah. So that, that's the camp I'm in on that. But uh, it's not a huge effect, but it's there and it's been there for a little bit. So, but, you know, every month that we keep these rates where they are, we get a little more effect. Blue, I want to talk about uh, something I've been talking about on the show, and I want to get your thoughts on is labor inflation. I mean, we see the strikes, we see UPS with the big raise, you know, we see the UAW obviously expanding their strikes. General Dynamics is talking about their, you know, UAW going on strikes as well here, or, or they're, um, in, they're going on strike as well, or potentially. I mean, everybody sees that they're paying more for stuff, and now everybody wants to be paid more. Does that not start a vicious cycle? Like, I mean, if if all of a sudden, you know, you got a 40% raise at all the automotive companies, don't they have to pass some of these costs on by actually raising the cost of their products as well? How do we like stop that labor inflation? Because that's what I'm concerned about. Well, labor got behind, you know, most of the last decade until the, uh, they were behind on inflation. A lot of the labor deals were cut fairly soon after the great recession, like the UAW deal, things like that. So, those deals were great for the companies because the economy wasn't too good. Uh, so I certainly am not in the camp of blaming workers for wanting to catch up a little bit. Now, your question, though, is who pays for this? Yes. And, uh, and I think this time around, shareholders are going to pay about half the cost, maybe even a little more. Uh, the, the pendulum has tilted away from management, if you will, and a little bit toward workers. And so as that shift means, well, the workers are going to get a little higher share of the uh, profit of the company. Uh, that doesn't mean profits don't grow, because one of the things we've noticed is companies have been able to push through price increases and hold on to them. And so their profits have been pretty good. I mean, as we go into this earnings cycle, it, it should look pretty good. Now, of course, you and everybody else are mainly going to listen to the guidance, and it may not be quite as good because the CEOs are like, well, yeah, we did pretty good in 2023, but man, 2024 looks highly uncertain. Uh, so I'm sure they'll keep telling us that. But, you know, your question, I think, you know, these we're going to get labor deals that do push wages up. Um, but, the you know, the stock, the shareholders are going to pay a little bit more of that cost than they used to. Blue, I, I saw your article on the uh, changing nature of risk management. And uh, I want to, you know, there's obviously, you know, the big boys, you know, the institutions, the pension funds, large investors, they, they, they face, uh, you know, a much more difficult task, you know, than the individual investor. And, you know, what what is it? I mean, the bonds have come down. I mean, I'm not asking for any specific investment, you know, recommendations, but... You know, I am I am I happy locking in five five and a half percent, and I going to be crying when they're at ten twelve percent, like Jamie Dimon said, or you know what 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 what's your perspective on that, and and maybe that comment in particular. Well, there are two things going on uh, with with my perspective on this. One of them is the difference between risks that you can quantify and things that are just highly uncertain, particularly those things that could go either way. 
Does the U.S. have a recession or not? Does oil prices skyrocket or come down because of what's going on in the Middle East, you know, or not? We, we don't know the answers to these, but they're either or questions. And I call that event risk. And the, the answers to those questions are highly uncertain. And, and that makes people a little more conservative in their portfolio management. They may take a little less risk. And to the extent that they stay active, they may use options a little more. Strangles and straddles, things like that, can, can give you a little bit of a hedge on the up, up or down volatility. The quantifiable risks, the things we kind of think we understand, like what I was talking about, you know, with what inflation might be later this week, um, those, those things we can still manage that risk and still take acceptable risks. It's just that the pendulum here has shifted toward more of the unknowable things, and that makes people a little more nervous. Now, the second aspect that you were talking about is cash. You can get 5% out, or almost 5 for the two-year, dip below 5% this morning. But, uh, you know, you can get two years at 5% plus if you structure your investment, and that's with virtually no risk. That's a treasury. Yes. So, uh, you know, cash is, is back, and it's going to play a larger role in portfolios. Shorter term, people are going to try to take opportunities because there are going to be some opportunities. Uh, but I think the longer term investor is going to slightly de-risk and improve the quality of their portfolio. And that means both equities and bonds. And, and they're able to do that because of cash. Let's just talk bonds for a second here because we've had this relentless selling and obviously in the long bonds and the rates going up here. Um, bring it back to what Joel said. I mean, we even had Rick Santelli talking about, you know, potentially that I think it was, I don't know if it was a 10 year he was talking about, it was a 30 year, but I remember him saying 13%, the rate he could hit eventually is like, I, I shake my head at thoughts process like that. Is there any chance that rates are going to go up to seven, eight, 10, 13% blue? Well, you can always put a probability on it, but I would put 0.01. Okay, uh, there's not much chance. Uh, we are not back in the 70s where you get that kind of inflation. The 70s had inflation. Well, it really started building in the late 60s with great society programs and the Vietnam War, and it just continued to build for 12 years. All we had was a pandemic surge based on $5 trillion of government extra spending that they gave us, which we spent. And I uh, guess what we got to, but all of that's been reversed. We're not, you know, budgets are going to be tight particularly government spending. Now, you may look at the budget deficit and saying, wow, that's getting bigger and bigger, and it is, but the government's not spending very much more. It's the interest rate expense and things like that. Right. Uh, so, you know, the causes of the pandemic inflation surge have all been reversed. So to me, it's just a question of, do we end up at 2%? I don't think so. Three, that's where I am. But, you know, these are, these are relatively low numbers. We're not talking 10, 12, 13. Um, to do that, you would need a tremendous amount of government spending. And, and I can't, I mean, our government can't do anything. Uh, so I don't see the spending coming. Okay, Blue, we're going to let you go. Blue Putnam, Managing Director, Chief Economist of CN Group, putting inflation terms or the whole situation in very explainable terms. Thanks, Blue. Thank you. Go, Blue. Go blue, awesome. definitely. I love that he quantifies that for us too, because you know a lot of people talked about it for it seemed like three or four days um, mm -hmm. when Rick Santelli threw out that thirteen percent number there, and I shook my head at it. I immediately went to Twitter to say no chance. Blue says 0.01 percent chance, so he'll give it a chance. But <laughs> I, I guess there's blue. always a chance, you know. Obviously, 
thinking back to um, what was the movie? Was it something about Mary or their town? Oh no, it was Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance? Well, maybe. <laughs> well, the old movie—that is movie I did see. All right, Dennis, go wide. One here. minute. I'm gonna just go to the background here. Go wide, 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 because I don't want to get picked off. Remember, even folks, your short-term investors, don't get picked off on these numbers. <laughs> All right, guys. Remember, we're gonna get core PPI to come in here month over month. Outlook 0 0.2, 0 0.2 prior. Uh, core PPI year over year 2.3, 2.2 prior. Let's see what happens here. Let's see if we get some movement in the market, right? It's kind of a little bit of a weird shift that we got here. You guys heard Joel ask Blue Putnam just now, what happened with these numbers? Why are they flip-flop? Why is the PPI coming before the CPI? And is that like, is there a reason why? Do, do they know something that we don't know? That's going to be the question we'll be asking ourselves. But the truth is, Price action will lead, right? What are you seeing on the price action? Yeah, right 0875, now, 0875. That's your pre market high. I have nothing there for you. What I do have for you is yesterday's globe XI at 19. So if it's a good number, we'll take it up to 4419. Uh, on the downside here, not much, not much. The closing price from yesterday, 92 and a quarter, is snuggled up right against that pre market low at 4388. Blue's looking for a non event here. The algo jumpers are not jumping too much maybe they're fine-tuning their computers here as we uh no no one no one has an edge here uh holding steady in the 4400 handle spies are probably going right wide right now and all uh, right news is first move is down it's hot it's hot how hot is it mitch all right i'm waiting to get it too everything's coming in here at the same it's time hot. it's hot all right, I'm 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 hitting the refresh button, guys. There we go. Month over month, 0.5 versus 0.3 estimate. Definitely Ooh. a little bit hot there, uh, showing a little bit of a jump there in uh, demand. Um, I'm gonna actually start going through the report here, Joel. Okay. Let us know what you're seeing on the price action. I'm gonna do a quick little dive, and I'll let you guys know exactly what I see underneath the hood. Yep. Okay. Well, we just lost mid range on the session. Not a super big level because it's traded to it so many times. It doesn't look like the bids are just disappearing. We've seen that on some uh, different uh, index uh, readings, but it feels like there's a little bit of underneath demand here that like algos are just not ripping it down on a really bad number, which I think this is a bad number. Um, you think they'd be taking out the pre-market low at 43.88? Now that could still happen, but this is a very like order. I mean, you did get that initial spike down, but right now you got a battle between the bulls and it. What a tight market here! I hope Dennis didn't fall asleep during this. Uh, it is just a tight market. Bulls are trying to regain control. I'm um, looking at the stocks. The stocks are not reacting that much. In fact. I'm not even seeing any ticks in the stocks. Apple just uh, down 28 cents. Apple, uh, you know, your your debt-free companies. They're, I'm just not seeing a lot of movement in the equities. Let me go to something like J.P. Morgan, the financials. Uh, J.P. Morgan on the one-minute chart. What I have to do on that is I have to get the 24-hour market. J.P. Morgan actually, uh, this is been all over the place so this isn't the stocks are not giving me much of an indication uh let's see what the qqqs did uh, qqqs are still holding on to their gains they had a little bit of a spike down i think what you're seeing is that despite this uh you know worse than expected number 
You're still deep. It's sentiment, Joel. It's sentiment. It's like it's turned and it has. I mean, that's what we're seeing is like it's a little bit hot. It is hot. But if this reports a week ago, we get hammered on it. But because we have so much underneath demand from all the shorts who have been caught in the last three-day rally, it's been a vicious three-day rally. You now have that buy the dip mentality back into the market here. So we immediately bought the dip. Um, I actually did buy the dip as well when we got down to uh, – 435 on spy I did pick up some spy down there yeah. um just i was actually a little bit unhedged going into it so i just hedged myself up more than anything but um i think there's just you know this buy the dip mentality now again let's take this number of face value this ain't great news it <laughs> no, ain't great it news so does it institutional isn't. money come in and start hitting this i don't think i'm coming in and saying you know i'm buying stocks here right now an initial buy the dip here to hedge myself up but um, I think, you know, it's almost like this little pop that we just got where we're trying to get it back here M- makes me more think, you know, maybe lighten up, but we do have underneath demand here, which we did not a week ago. I would agree with that. The demand is definitely there. Now. The only question is you know, three day rally. Can we get a four day rally? No. I mean, that's, that's where it gets really difficult on a number like this. It's as much as it was really bad news for the bulls, you know, when we start selling off, you know, and it's seemingly good news. It's not good news for the bears when we start no. rallying on bad news. And this is bad news. Take it at face value. It's hot. It's hot. I mean, PPIX Food Energy is only in line. So maybe they're thinking, well, it's all oil, man. We knew oil went up. We knew oil prices went up. So this is all energy, and we already knew that. Maybe that's the silver lining read on this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've talked to no one. Um, I'm just you know thinking out loud here. But you know, when we back out food and energy, it's in line number. So maybe, just maybe, that's what the market's reading into that. That they think this is all oil. All right, Mitch, you got any uh, you got any uh, details here on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing even Pulling more and more okay. here. And a lot of this is, uh, of course, coming from gas. You can clearly see it in the report. Um, now, of course, uh, there's other playing in here, right? Uh, you got unprocessed goods for intermediate demand, saw a substantial increase 4% in September. Um, that's unprocessed energy materials contributing to over 70% of this rise. Uh, increasing by 7.5 unprocessed food stuff and feed stuff also went up 3.5 percent this has a lot to do with energy but also bringing in prices for raw milk slaughter chickens hay hayse oils oil uh, seeds and so it looks like a lot of things are increasing in inflation here it's not just energy but majority of this run of course with the diesel fuel all right, we'll see what's going on there. The price action year over still year up two point two percent. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of numbers. I'm looking reading the numbers that you're just putting up there, money, Mitch. Again, yeah. I think the algos are reading that this was mostly oil because we know last when we're looking at the data, oil had had a significant rally. We know mm-hmm. it sold off here just recently, but that's not priced into this data because it lags. I think they're reading that this was mostly oil. Because PPI, what, yeah, extra yeah, energy. In, yeah. The, in the report, that's what's stated, a lot of it, right? Oil. It, it came from that oil jump, right? Over yeah, 70%. Which we already knew about. So the market says, we already know that. And so initial headlines, <laughs> algos just hit. They're like, that's hot. They hit it. That's what happened. So we're just doing a replay <laughs> of what happened in the last six minutes. Initial number comes out. Algos are all stupid. They're like, hit, 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 hit. Because it's hot. But yeah, then everybody logically to... comes in, institutional money managers come in. I come in thinking buy the dip too, just because the mentality is back out there. 
Um, so same kind of logic, but the institutional money manager is also looking and saying, well, it was all oil. We already knew that. So this yeah. is still green light go. So one thing I that I think this is still like, this is why we're not selling off on this number. I agree with that outlook, Dennis. Now, one thing that I caught in your conversation there is that you said that it was not logical for it to happen, right? I think this is where it gets more that you catch a lot of the times the psychology of the market mm -hmm. versus what's logical or not logical because logical is I see the number it's hot. It's going down. Yes. But really the psychology there is Dennis, you already know the market's already looking at this. People are already understanding that energy is higher. And so it's kind of the reverse psychology move. That's what I call this because really it goes against the normal reaction to the number. And I mean, that's where the human being and i get this question all the time you know how are you still in business you know as a professional trader when you're fighting a bunch of algos i get this all the time i talk you know i have that conversation with you know a guy that did all the pro hft programming programmer major company did all the hft programming for all the big guns and he's like i've been trying to put you out of business for the better part of a decade how are you still around and i'm like it's because of exactly what money mitch just said it's I can think, and again, maybe artificial intelligence comes into the stock market and puts me out of business. But the algos, the straight up algos do not because the humans program them to see certain information and then trade on them. But we can read another step than the algos can do. So algos say, head, 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 because it's hot. Well, we can say, well, yeah, but we knew oil already. We already knew this information. That's not programmed into those algos that they knew this, unless they're really sophisticated. Now, can AI change that? Maybe when AI comes in the market, Maybe it does put me out of business, but there's a certain logic to it. Now, again, we've come a long way. So, you know, how does this digest? We're starting to leak here again. It, it's impossible to really say that we're going to rip, roar, and rally on it because let's take this number at face value. It is still a hot number. It so hot I don't number. think we're just going to rip to 340 on this. But maybe the initial 7, 8, 10-point sell-off was unwarranted, at least initially, because we kind of knew this information already. And also the you know just the, the like the price action like uh, you know without knowing that you know the number you know I saw the initial move down, and when they're when they're bad I mean when they they really get rocking and roll I remember there was a time we were up twenty and then we went down fifty I can't remember what report that was, and that really instigated a big sell off but you could just you could just feel the bids out there you know what it was short term. It popped, it went back, tried to make a new high, and it did it. And now, now it just like say set up for a battle of a uh, of forty four hundred right now. And as Mitch uh, mentioned, three day winning streak, which we did not have one three day winning streak in the entire month of September for the S and P, and for you guys that follow the antiquated Dow Jones Industrials, maybe they had it, but uh, that was our first day three day win streak. Hold it on here at 4,400. Lots right. to digest, though. And I mean, this is just more information. But the big one is tomorrow, folks. The big one, the market moving. Like Blue said, this could be a non-event. He may be right. We had the initial sell-off. We kind of came back yeah. up. We're just slightly yeah. below from where we were before this number. Tomorrow is not going to be a non-event. Tomorrow is the big one, the CPI. Because the PPI, we can say, oh, the Fed. But everybody in every newspaper, you know, if the newspaper still exists, but every media company out there, talk cpi so it's yeah. going to be the talk tomorrow so that's like going to be the number like i mentioned yesterday on crude how high crude was when cpi is usually taken around the mid-month at least that's what our uh speculation is and it was in the 90s 
So I'm not expecting CPI to come in light. I'm not expecting us to come down. I'm expecting us to see a little bit of a spike in CPI. Now, how will traders trade off of that? That's the question, right? Um, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to uh, Lima Oncology as they're entering expansion collaboration agreement with Novartis. Let's talk a little bit about this. Dennis, you've been catching what's been going on here. I'm no healthcare expert, so I'm going to kick it to you guys. I know you guys probably wouldn't say you're an expert in this area either, but let's talk a little bit about what's been going on. And of course, I'd advise you guys out there to do a little bit more research if these are your types of stocks. Yeah, so what we have, and let me just grab the bloody headline here. Did you grab it out of the produce? You can read the actual drug headline here, Mitch, and then I can tell you the other stuff that's going on here. So looking at um, that, it's this kidney drug. Mm -hmm. Hang on. I'm trying to grab okay. the bloody headline, but sorry. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll just yeah. go to Vardis here. I'm just going to give you one number. This yeah, let us know what you're saying. 100 buck level, stalled in July, boom. Got up, it hasn't really been back up to this area. So that really important. Actually, it got up there. Late April, got up there in July, and uh, now it's uh, it's approaching it once again. Uh, also, uh, uh, moving on that is Eli Lilly. Yeah. I was looking for and that. And again, so 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 out. here's where I got screwed up. You said Novartis, and I screwed like it's it's Novo Nordisk is the stock. Mm. So it's NVO Joel. So just to get the correct stock I got it. here, yeah, so. that's what I and I, I and I screwed up Italian Novartis here this morning. It's NVO. It's not NVS. I, I, it's NVO. I didn't even pay attention. That's to moving. You. Yeah, I know. These ADRs, and they're dang close to the same name, Novartis, no, no, Novo Nordisk. So a Well, there's company. news on Novartis also. <laughs> <laughs> it's NVO. That's got the kidney drug. Uh, I, got it. Yep. I, knew, I knew it was off the bat. I was like, wait a second. That's not Novartis. And I have even NBS written on my sheet. I wrote it down where it's NVO. I, I love how I preface this, at least to tell you guys I wasn't an expert. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, like, none of us are here, Money Man. brought but... in the expert. Yeah. <laughs> so, it actually is Novo Nordisk that has the kidney drug. Um, so, they stopped. They're all these words, man. Semaglutitude kidney yeah, you, outcome you trial out, based man. on early signs of efficacy. It's, pronouncing all this stuff is really difficult. Not just yeah. you, Money Mitch. It's me too. Um, NVO getting a $3 pop. It does trade as an ADR, meaning it is already pricing in Europe. So this information is already in. But there are repercussions here for a number of stocks. So you have a kidney drug that is kind of working here. Um, so or appears to be, you know, at least, you know, working, to cure, um, to cure. this is actually good news for Lily because they also have a kidney drug. So they're like, yeah. Oh, maybe the Lily one's going to work too. That's why Lily is up. And then the dialysis providers, the ones that treat the kidney disease are down because man, if you get a drug that could cure the disease, we don't need the treatments anymore. So there is some hammering of DaVita DVA because they're dialysis company, Baxter down 9% dialysis, and FMS, same thing, down 16% dialysis. So understanding the web of repercussions from this <laughs> one trial affecting four other stocks here this morning. So yeah. you got NVS and, or NVS, I keep saying, NVO, and it's because we talk Novartis all the time, um, NVO, Lily up on this, DVA, Baxter, FMS down on this. That's the summary. I, I looked in here, kidney disease and companies with top kidney disease kind of uh, drugs right now. And you can see here, you got plenty of big names, Amgen yes. in here, AstraZeneca, Sanofi, um, you guys, all the big companies uh, are in this space. So um, definitely something that's going to affect the space today. What are you seeing lots, on the price action, Joel? About, 
Uh, well, uh, Lily, man, I just, I saw that big decline and now you're right back up. Lily, you just got to think about that 600. It was actually, it was a range. Uh, the old time high 601.84 and the, oh, nope, I'm, I'm, uh, yep. 601.84 old time high 601.61. So after a dip to like 520 in seven, eight sessions, you're right back at all time high. On overnight news, I mean, see if you could get back up to those levels. This is trading near the pre-market high. It's a little bit different, as Dennis mentioned. On um, uh, uh, now, you guys are getting me going on this. The NBS uh, NBO well, just screws yeah. us right up. You really screwed me up. I used to have it before. <laughs> uh, let's just say um, I don't think he's right. I started this whole you, process today because You're I fired. wrote down. I was actually. Looking at NVO last night, and for some reason before. I wrote on my sheet NVS, and then I'm like, and I said it to you this morning, Novartis, Novo, no, no, not Novartis, Novo Nordisk. It almost is the same name. It, it seems like the it's same, the same thing. But it spits um, out, yeah, and both European companies. It, one thing that we'll always say with these companies is the headline risk, right? And I think that that's the hardest part yes. of trading these names is you never know what's the next headline in this space. Um, is the trial going to go through? Are they going to get a partnership? There's so many things that can happen in this space, yeah. so it's hard to yeah. catch. Let's go to a, a movement. Well, just that I was... want to say that spot that uh, segment was sponsored by the uh, FDA. I just want. Yeah. To, oh yes, you know, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and Rosetta Stone. Okay. Uh, okay. So on Tuesday, solar stocks were definitely getting the lift as solar and alternative energy stocks experienced the significant gains due to the French government's announcement of the plan to double its renewable power capacities by 2035, aiming to achieve carbon neutral by 2050. Um, now, one stock that was definitely something to catch was MaxN. Because before the market opened, this one had already given oh out God. a cautious weak demand impacting Q3 uh. revenues, yet it closed on a gain. It's incredible, this that's move. That's the biggest key reversal you'll ever see because that stock was down at 7 bucks and then all the way up and I believe made a new high and closed higher than the previous day. So I think it is technically a key reversal. That's one of the biggest ones you're going to ever see. So impressive, move. impressive move. All solar was ripping there yesterday, and it could have been some individual news. But remember, rates are being helped here. So when you see the bonds start rallying, they were closed Monday, rallying Tuesday. You wouldn't have seen it re in the TLT because it was, it was traded. But when you see the bonds rallying, that is actually very good news for all these beaten down stocks that not only have a lot of debt, but their clients or customers have to finance these projects. So we've been talking about solar being, you know, the anti-debt play. As rates go up, they get hit harder because all of their clients have to finance the, and they're financing at higher prices, meaning they're going to do less business potentially with these solar companies. So rates come down, great for solar stocks. They are definitely inversely correlated with the TLT, or actually, yeah, they're 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 positively correlated with the TLT, inversely correlated with rates. And now when stocks are in extended downturns like they are now, there's always overhead supply to contend with. And uh, But you get a catalyst, right? There's a potential catalyst here. I'm just going to focus on resistance real quickly for these issues. Sure. Uh, for uh, SEDG, man, there's so, there's someone hanging out in the 127 handle. You got to mop that guy up, and that, or guy or girl. And then things really open up for that. Uh, but that's a, just a tight formation down there. ENPH, that kind of had a little breakout yesterday over 120. 
So use the next cycle, some highs bunching up at 130. We'll keep an eye on that. For solar, which had been the best in breed, that broke out yesterday uh, above, not much in there to 160. But once again, and then the, the main one that you mentioned, Maxon, that's, this is the one that you want to see is like, are they going to go 10 bit in this thing? Do they have the guts to like, after that day yesterday, or is everyone that they scooped it out at the low just saying, hey, you know, I bought this at 770. I'm out at 10. I could care what happened to this thing. So we'll see if Maxim can establish a 10 bit. The other one I was watching was SunPower, which had a key reversal here as well. This is a stock that I'm very close to my heart because it was one of those in 2020 that I made almost a thousand percent on. I bought this at $5 and I sold it at 50. It was like one of my best trades ever. I took the majority of that move. I've tried to buy it a couple of times and I got stopped out a couple of times on the way down here, but we're back here at five bucks. And I'm like, man, not that we're going back to 50, but this was the original level that I bought it back in 2020. And I'm thinking like, could I take another shot on SunPower here? I've kind of been waiting for a key reversal day to jump into this name because it's just been relentlessly down. And I mean, we've had key reversals in the past and they have failed. And maybe all these, maybe this is a zero, you know, it very well could be. But I'm like, speculative capital only. Part of me wants to buy this sun power down here in the fives. Let's move over to some subsidies that are out there in uh, France also mentioned there uh, that most electric cars produced in Europe, some made in Asia, would qualify for subsidies in France. So just kind of mentioning that, I do I do see Tesla continuing a little bit of a lift. They've already been kind of getting these subsidies, uh, but definitely there was a look into to see if they were going to remove these subsidies from certain kind of Asia-made uh, vehicles. And now you're seeing these continuing to get the lift Will Tesla continue to drive higher? He had a really good day yesterday. The debt issue obviously doesn't apply to Tesla because we've done this exercise and they're almost debt-free. So they were rallying this thing earlier because they're like, you know what? Higher rates, again, a little bit, you know, it's going to impact because, again, it's going to impact their customers because they're going to have to finance these cars. So, you know, it's, so it's a little bit, you know, you look at this and think, wow. You know, it's not sticky. You know, this is not an inelastic product. Rates go up. It's not good for them. But the market was just buying companies with no debt. And Tesla's basically no debt. Now, with that being said, um, we've come back up here. Joel, I'll throw the technicals to you. But there's all kinds of resistance up here near 280. Uh, and now you are, um, I'm sorry, I took my, I was trying to Tesla. look at the, Tesla. The Tesla. Oh, Tesla. Wait, you switch gears on me fast. Yeah, uh, that's clear up, up to 280. Trade at a strong day yesterday, up to 11 right now. Next target for me, wow, is uh, would be yeah, the next daily high for above 260. 267.85 is did hit that uh, earlier in pre market. No, that was from yesterday. So, uh, got me off guard. 268.94 yesterday's high. What I was trying to look up was the analyst ratings on the solar stocks. And there's not a lot of them. I'm looking at some of the dates, so it's not widely fouled. But what I was thinking was, you know, do the analysts, like, you know, come out now and, like, buy, you know, buy the dip. But they, they're they not super widely covered. So that would be another thing, you know, a little bit of a catalyst. They're, and they're so get... beaten down. I think if the TLT can sustain a rally yeah, here, I agree. if we can get the TLT going, that is going to be fantastic news for the solar company. So again, TLT 
back to driving the bus. We had oil driving the bus for a couple of days, but bonds are now driving the bus here. The bond rally started yesterday. The bond rally continues into today. I mean, we're building on a three-day rally here in the TLT as well. We hit $84 just you know three sessions ago. It's 88 here now. We're trying here. The bonds are trying. They're trying to prove Rick Santelli wrong, and I think they're going to prove Rick Santelli wrong. <laughs> Jamie Diamond, Jamie Diamond, and, Jamie. and that's Rick Jamie Santelli. Diamond thinking. He just likes to say the opposite. He just likes to, like to show up on the headlines, guys. The HBQ. I think it is. Let's go to HBQ as they shared their uh, fiscal year 24 outlook, which features an adjusted EPS in the range of $3.25 to $3.65, slightly below the market consensus. They anticipate generating free cash flow between $3.1 billion and $3.6 billion. The company plans to return 100% of its free cash flow to its shareholders through dividend and share repurchases, including 5% dividend increase to now a dollar uh, ten uh, cents per share and some change there. But additionally, HP aims to enhance cost savings by an additional 200 million, targeting 1.6 billion by fiscal year 25, while maintaining a restructuring and other charges at approximately 1 billion. The good news, raised dividend, that's good news. Um, the earnings seems to be kind of, you know, the 347 consensus, they went 325 to 365. So it went really wide here to hit it. <laughs> um, so it's like, you could say they reiterate guidance, but they went really wide. They hit the low end on that 325 and everybody's not going to be pleased. So it gets the pop last night up into the 27 handle here. But remember, we have a big whale that yeah, is unloading the stock. And that. once he falls yeah. under 10%, we're not going to see his sales all the time, but it doesn't mean he's not still there. Sneaky, I personally yeah. think he doesn't start selling something unless he really wants to get rid of a lot of it. So I think the whale is still selling that as Warren Buffett. I think he's still selling 26s, 27s. We've seen some go off in the 25s. Seems like he wants out, and I think the stock is going to be under pressure until Warren Buffett gets out, and that could take a long time. Or or Warren is, you know, at being uh, very, uh, uh, you know, diligent and it's going against him. He's selling part of the position, right? The street knows he brings it down under 10%. You know, this is fundamental news that may change his thinking. We don't know. But as you say, once he starts to peel out, he peels out. But I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, you know, maybe... Maybe he'll let it breathe. That's what you used to say on the trading desk when you're along a bunch of stock and yeah. you're rushing out of it. You know, you're just offers like, I'm going to take this profit, take this profit. And the guy's on it. Just let it breathe. A Some, little sometimes bit. the let best thing to do when you got a stock rolling for you is go have lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I always sometimes say this is the best thing. Yeah, let the market work for you, not you work for the market. Just thinking think about it. So oh, I got to sell this at 27. I got to sell this at 27. I got to sell yeah. this at 27. Once you're in, you already did the hard work, right? <laughs> now it's time to take the money and let the market work for you, guys. This is where I, I feel like that's why I like swing trading over day trading because a lot of the times I can walk away, I can go eat breakfast and, and not be worried too much. Am I going to get wrecked? while I'm out and getting some pancakes. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's and just before I just realized, I just looked and I forgot, I have a small short position in HPQ. Decided sold the pop last night and I haven't covered yet. I will cover today. Oh, the old I, short HPQ. I, I actually totally forgot when I was popping up over 27, <laughs> I had it in my head and I shorted some stock and obviously um, hey, I, I no just worries, haven't covered Dennis. it all yet. So I, I forgot I, about it. Sorry. We appreciate the transparency. Let's take a look at gold stocks as gold stocks are definitely getting the lift lately. 
honestly, this is the hardest trade I think there is out there to understand. It, they even still call it a safe haven asset. Is this a safe haven asset, guys? Let's just be honest. What do gold? you guys think? Yeah, gold. Here's the problem with gold. I'm going to say the same thing. As rates, as the TLT starts to go up, it's going to help gold. But the biggest problem with gold is you get zero. Zero dividend, paid zero to hold it, just sits here. And when you're in a 1% or 0.5% environment, those bars don't feel as bad. When you're getting 5.5% in your bank, it feels pretty bad to be holding gold getting zero. So, I mean, that's the biggest issue for gold and silver is that they actually cost money to store them to a certain extent. Not much, but, you know, there is a little bit of storage cost there. But you just don't get paid. So I think as rates start to come back down, that's actually good for gold. I don't think it's a coincidence that gold went for the People are like, what happened with gold in September? You know, when its market's going down, it's supposed to go up. Well, no, it was rates driven, though. So as higher rates were coming on the long end, that's not good for gold and silver because they're giving you zero. So I mean, it's the Tina trade dead all over again. When the Tina trade is dead, it's not good for gold and silver, too, because the alternative is 5.5%. Let's take a look at some of these gold stocks. What are you seeing here, Joel? Yeah, uh, gold's up at, at ten. At full disclosure, I've been long the GL, um, GLD for like ever, and also uh, the GDX hasn't done. Every time it gets to two thousand, I say, "Oh, I'm going to sell." We need to go through your now. portfolio one day, Joel, because you got a lot of long-term holdings in there, like super long-term holdings. And it's just curious. Boring. Obviously, we make fun of you for the Peloton, but you've had a lot of good ones too. So, it, I mean, it, and the Peloton's at least his account. Like, yeah. we got to go through one day and just see what does Joel hold in this long-term portfolio? Uh, no, you know, I don't want to look because then I'll sell it. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like talking because he's going to sell it. He doesn't like to look. Joel, you log in your long-term account like once a year, don't you? Just so you don't once sell it. Once a year. It. He doesn't need the login. He, knows he doesn't even log in. He forgot the login. He doesn't I know really, anymore I don't, because I don't. he forgot what the login is. I know. He tells someone I, else to change the password. <laughs> I, I, password? What's a password? Uh, for Newmont, uh, look at ooh, 39.11 is uh, the next daily high. And then uh, you work your way towards 40 bucks. That's for Newmont. What else are gold stocks? I mean, what what's up? AU, Barrett I now? like. Did we take a look at AU? I like that one. I love uh, the way a, this one trends on the trade. So yeah, you can see this on the daily so. when it yeah. takes off. Did they reorg? It takes off. I AU. think so. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, they reorg, they merged, and they oh, Anglo Gold, yeah, because this used gold, to be something gold, else. Gold. All right, yeah. this is Barrick Gold now, right? Instead of uh, what the heck? GOLD is Barrick. Yes. Yeah, GOLD. yeah. What was the old symbol on Barrick? ABX. Yeah, mm. there we go. American Barrick. Now it's just okay. GLD. I mean, this is like it's that. If you establish a fifteen bid here, it looks like you got some room on the upside between fifteen and sixteen. I'm gonna wrap it up here for me, folks. Uh, we are coming back toward the highs of the session of yeah. the pre-market session. The dip was bought under 4,400. Uh, you get filed through to this 4,408.75. I'll be looking for yesterday's high at 4,419. On the downside here, at least for the S&Ps, if you get back, I mean, near that 4,400 area, that's where you found a bid before. Uh, joining me tomorrow, or joining us tomorrow, will be Mark Shaken. I think it's a great time Ooh, to have him on. Yeah, it's good ahead of the CPI number. But uh, yeah. great show. Another great show again uh, today, guys. And uh, I'll be back uh, later on. 
All right, Joel's hopping. Last words, Dennis, anything you'll be looking at here? Uh, I think you're going to see chop. I don't think we're going straight up here because, again, I'm still under this impression that, um, you know, we've come a ways here. I think there's room to 440 on the SPY. Could we buy it ahead of it? I, again, this PPI number today, I'm just going to reiterate the reason they're rallying because people are like, why are they rallying on a hot number? Because it was mostly oil and we knew oil prices already. So nothing was unexpected in here. All right, Dennis is out of here. You guys keep up with Triple D Trader, of course, on Twitter. We'll get you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. We got a great day for you guys and a lot more for you guys right here. Only on, of course, Benzinga. And if you guys haven't checked out, who's going to the future digital assets event in New York? I want to hear who's out there, who's getting out there and going to go ahead and get to it. Of course, we have some great speakers that will be taking place. We have great uh, companies that will be there also. You guys don't want to miss this. Uh, the, the greatest financial uh, attempt here to get towards all these future digital assets and an understanding what's going to be there. I know a lot of people are questioning about digital assets. Well, if you want to get your answer, if this is an area where you should be investing, why not hear from the experts themselves, right? We got head of strategy, Web3, Google Cloud. We got architect, founder and CEO. We're going to Pudgy Penguins. Take a look. Luca will be joining us. We got so many speakers that have excellent experience in digital assets and institutionals that are investing right now. Why you guys should tune in. Just check it out, guys. Go to the link here. I want you guys to go ahead and take a look at this and see what you guys think for yourself. I'll see you guys over at the Future of Digital Assets event. I know I myself am looking at digital assets and trying to get them what? On the cheap. Because like always, there's waves to technology. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to miss the next one.